0: Hello, and welcome to You've Got to Read This, a podcast for those with a passion for reading. Each year, hundreds of thousands of books are published in the U.S. Millions are published worldwide. Join us as we navigate the world of books in hopes of introducing you to something new. I'm Michelle Dubois. And I'm Renee Seinfeld. And you're listening to You've Got to Read This. Quite accidentally, our first
1: three books today involve food and two of them are memoirs. Our first book is a memoir entitled Crying in H Mart by Michelle Zauner. You may have come across this book at the bookstore. It's a vibrant red cover with a cartoon drawing of chopsticks holding up noodles draped in the shape of the letter H. Michelle Zauner is a Korean-American author and musician. She was born in Seoul, South Korea where her parents met. Her mother was South Korean and her father is a white Jewish-American. Michelle is an only child and grew up with her parents in Eugene, Oregon. She attended Bryn Mawr College outside of Philadelphia and currently lives in Brooklyn, New York. We listened to her memoirs, as an audiobook read by the author herself, which made it feel incredibly personal.
0: The impetus for Michelle honors memoir is the death of her mother when Michelle was only 25 years old. Crying in HMAR is about the grief over her mother's death and fearing a loss of identity. Her memoir encapsulates the period of time before her mother's cancer diagnosis, during her cancer treatment, and after her death. In quick succession, the author loses her maternal aunt and her mother. She writes about feeling like she was losing the Korean half of herself. Suddenly, her Korean ancestry felt like it was slipping away. Growing up in Eugene, Oregon, Michelle Zahner tried to shed the Korean parts of herself to fit in with her white classmates. But faced with the impending loss of her mother, she feels the strong need to retain her Korean identity. And she talks about all those things that are connected
1: to her Korean identity. Food, language, family rituals. The author shares memories of her mother's cooking, yearly trips to South Korea to visit family, bumpy attempts at speaking Korean with her grandmother, and the first time she brought her boyfriend to a Korean bathhouse. For the most part, memoirs are a reflection on life, and in Michelle Zahner's memoir, she navigates the reader through moments of anger, laughter, disappointment,
0: joy, and regret. H-Mart, which is referred to in the title of the memoir, is a large Asian grocery store chain in the United States. These stores can be found up and down the East and West Coast in cities like Houston, Atlanta, Philadelphia, and Chicago. H-Mart stores also have food courts in them where you can sit down and enjoy a wide variety of Asian foods like Taiwanese, Korean, Japanese, and Vietnamese. The store also sells household goods and beauty products from different Asian countries. The title crying in H-Mart refers to becoming emotional each time the author
1: shops in H-Mart because it reminds her of her mother and family memories of South Korea. But it's also a place of joy for her it's a place where she can surround herself with the foods from her childhood and wonderful memories it's just a beautiful memoir
0: you know and i really liked her approach to telling her story she was very forthcoming with the not so pretty parts of her family like the awkward relationship with her father her rebellious teenage years and the pressure she felt during her mother's cancer to be a good daughter it was all very candid she's an engaging storyteller easily transitioning from sadness to humor yeah and i really appreciate her talking
1: about the unexpected layers of grief when someone you love dies the things you don't anticipate like mourning the future you won't have with that person And how sometimes in your family when someone dies, not only are you dealing with the loss and absence of that person, but you're also experiencing grief over the family unit dissolving. Your family unit changes into something new and the family dynamics change. It's a very moving memoir about grief and I highly recommend it. We mentioned earlier in the segment that Michelle Zahner is a musician. She is the lead singer and guitarist of an indie rock band called Japanese Breakfast. If you'd like to check out her band, you can go to their website, JapaneseBreakfast.rocks. That's R-O-C-K-S. The memoir, again, is entitled Crying in H-Mart by Michelle Zahner. Her last name is spelled Z-A-U-N-E-R. The book was published by Knopf in April of 2021.
0: small town of Freedom, Maine, population 722, there's a 40-seat restaurant called The Lost Kitchen. Despite the town's relative obscurity, The Lost Kitchen is a world-renowned restaurant having been named one of the world's greatest places by Time magazine and one of 12 restaurants worth traveling across the world to experience by Bloomberg. So why am I talking about a restaurant on a book podcast? because our next book is a captivating memoir by the owner and chef of The Lost Kitchen, Erin French, a white American woman born and raised in the state of Maine. The title of her memoir is Finding Freedom, a Cook's story, making a life from scratch. It was published in April, 2021 by Celadon Books. Raised on a farm, Erin French craved the excitement of the city, but she never imagined she would be living in her little hometown of Freedom, Maine after college. She had, of course, planned on finishing college. She had also planned on a career in the medical profession, not the restaurant business like her father. But as the saying goes, things don't always turn out the way we plan them. Finding Freedom is a memoir about a young woman's hard-fought journey and struggle to make a life for herself amidst unexpected and continuous setbacks, beginning with an unplanned pregnancy, addiction to prescription drugs... In a cruel relationship with a man who threatened to take everything away from her. Many women will find a connection with Erin French, I think, because her story is deeply female. There's a universality about her life experience that will speak to a large host of readers. Her voice is one of a daughter, a sister, a single mother, a wife, a restaurant worker, and a small business owner. Her memoir raises so many important topics, ranging from father-daughter relationships to mental health issues, addiction, the American healthcare system, domestic abuse, and the challenges and rewards of being a small business owner and restaurateur. More than anything, Finding Freedom is an empowering story. It really is. It's incredibly moving. And thank you. I read it too,
1: based on your recommendation and really enjoyed it. You ordered this book directly from the author's website
0: i did and i'm so glad i did because it arrived beautifully wrapped in this charcoal gray tissue paper and tucked into the center fold was a recipe card for dad's meatloaf it's probably the loveliest presentation i've ever seen for a book
1: and this is a really hard restaurant to get into
0: indeed it is you and I live here in Maine, so we were pretty excited to have our own dining experience, but come to find out, you can't just call and make reservations. There's a lottery. You need to mail in a postcard with your contact info, and if your card is pulled at random, you'll be contacted to schedule a reservation. So we sent our postcards out in May, and we're anxiously awaiting a call, but uh, if we don't get one <laughs> this year, we'll just have to send them out again next year. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. The book, again, is Finding Freedom by Erin French, published in April 2021 by Celadon Books. You can buy a signed copy of the book from her website, findthelostkitchen.com.
1: On September 3rd, 1939, Great Britain and France declared war on Germany following Germany's invasion of Poland. During World War II, German U-boats aggressively attacked and sank every ship they could, headed to England. Being an island country, England relied heavily on imports and quickly suffered from a shortage of food, fuel, and supplies. To ensure that supplies were distributed fairly, the British government created a rationing system. The Ministry of Food specifically oversaw the rationing of food. Every household in England during the war was given a ration book authorizing a specific weekly allotment of eggs, meat, sugar, milk, butter, and other necessities based on how many people lived in the household. That rationing system lasted well after World War II was over, another nine years in fact, until 1954. To boost morale, the BBC started a new weekly radio show in 1940 called The Kitchen Front that offered healthy, nutritious recipes requiring minimal and basic ingredients. That historic radio show is at the center of a new novel entitled The Kitchen Front by Jennifer Ryan. Jennifer Ryan is a white author currently living in northern Virginia, though she is originally from England. When she was a child growing up in Kent, Jennifer Ryan's grandmother often shared stories about what life was like in England during World War II, and the author felt moved to turn her grandmother's stories into a novel. In the novel The Kitchen Front, the BBC announces they're to hold a cooking contest over the radio, with the winner being awarded the opportunity to co-host The Kitchen Front radio show. As we're introduced to the four female contestants, we learn about each of their pasts, the losses they've each endured as a result of the war, the secrets some of them hide, and how much winning would mean for each of them. The Kitchen Front is an uplifting, inspiring, and extremely enjoyable book about survival, friendship, self-esteem, and the power of people in a community caring for each other while their country is in crisis. Like a warm, home-cooked meal, this book is good for the soul with a slice of history on the side. If listeners enjoy historical fiction, World War II stories, cooking, or if you enjoy the BBC shows The Girls of Corfu, Call the Midwife, or The Great British Bake Off, then you'll love The Kitchen Front by Jennifer Ryan. The Kitchen Front was published by Ballantine Books in February of 2021.
0: So tell us what you've been reading for fun.
1: I've been on a P. Jelly Clark reading binge. P. Jelly Clark is a black speculative fiction author from Hartford, Connecticut. He was born in New York, was raised in Houston, Texas. And according to his website, he also spent a good portion of his early years on the Caribbean islands of Trinidad and Tobago, which he notes um, is the homeland of his parents. Jelly Clark has five novels published. Uh, three of which are in a series called the dead gen universe all three books in the series take place in cairo egypt in 1912 and it's an alternative cairo it's a steampunk cairo for those listeners who don't know steampunk it's a genre that takes place in a futuristic past stories typically take place in the 1800s or early 1900s and it's a futuristic version of the world and that technology is typically steam-based or mechanically based as opposed to digitally or electronically based so in jelly Clark's series for example there are mechanical robots called eunuchs that are created to be butlers and drive vehicles for people there are brass tram cars with large windows that run over the city and so on the premise behind this series is that a hole has been torn in the fabric of the world that has allowed in supernatural beings like jinn or genies and angels and ghouls these supernatural beings now live among people in response to these beings now being in our world the egyptian government creates the ministry of alchemy enchantments and supernatural entities to handle crimes or conflicts that arise in relation to these beings at the center of the three novels are two protagonists both are agents that work for this governmental department the male agent is hamid Nasser. The female agent is Fatma El Shaarawy. The first novel in the series is called A Dead Djinn in Cairo. In this story, a jinn or genie, has been found dead, jinn typically lived for thousands of years so his death is quite concerning and agents are called in to investigate the death the second book is called the haunting of tram car 015 in this novel agents are called in to deal with a jinn that's taken over tram car refuses to leave and continues to terrorize all the passengers the third novel in the series is called a master of jinn and just came out in may of this year and it's just fantastic Um, In A Master of Djinn, the man said to have allowed supernatural beings into this world is alive again and seeks to unleash mayhem. The books in this series are vivid, fresh, and creative. Um, The steampunk version of Cairo, Egypt that Jelly Clark creates is so transportive and fun. And his books are filled with really incredible female characters. The main character, Agent Fatma el Shaarawi, is vibrant and confident. She lives authentically and unapologetically. Instead of wearing traditional Egyptian women's clothes, she wears stylish Englishmen's three-piece suits, she has tailored to fit her, she wears bright ties, sparkling cufflinks, she wears a bowler hat, and walks with a walking cane. What I en- really enjoy about Jelly Clark's books is that there's never just one token strong female character, there are multiple fierce and courageous women. I just can't get enough of his books. If you're listening and you enjoy fantasy as a genre, or steampunk, or really looking for something transportive and unique and filled with history, then I'd highly recommend all of his books. Regarding the spelling of his name, it's the initial P, which is short for Fenderson, P-H-E-N-D-E-R-S-O-N. His middle name is Jelly, D-J-E-L-I, and his last name is Clark, C-L-A-R-K. And the really neat thing about this author is that the name P. Jelly Clark is his author identity. It's the author's nom de plume, or pen name. The author's real name is Dr. Dexter Gabriel, and he's a history professor at the University of Connecticut. T. Jelly Clark's most recent novel, The Master of Jin*, was published by Tor in May of 2021.
0: In the intro to our podcast, we say, let us introduce you to something new. But every once in a while, a well-known book will be featured here because, well, you've got to read it. Such is the case for our next book, which has been on the New York Times bestseller list since October of 2020 and remains there almost nine months later as of this recording. The Midnight Library, a novel by Matt Haig, has attracted readers from around the world and for that reason has been translated into 26 languages since its original publication in Great Britain in August of 2020. In a place called the Midnight Library, located between life and death, there was a book of regrets along with an infinite number of books with alternative lives, lives Nora Seed could be living had she made different choices. For example, what if she had stayed in the band with her brother? What if she had studied geology instead of philosophy at university? What if she hadn't quit swimming and trained for the Olympics like her dad had wanted her to? Or what if she hadn't broken off her engagement? Filled with regrets and uncertainties, Nora searches the Midnight Library for the book that holds her perfect life. Each time she opens a new book, she gets the chance to live a life that could have been. Each book, each virtual reality, holds the answers to the question, what if she had done this instead of that? Would life be better? In the Midnight Library, author Matt Haig takes readers on a journey that is reminiscent of the 1946 film It's a Wonderful Life and Charles Dickens' classic novel A Christmas Carol. But unlike the male characters George Bailey and Ebenezer Scrooge, Matt Haig's protagonist is a young woman with contemporary modern issues that anyone who has ever questioned his or her choices in life can relate to. This magical book is about the choices we make and how those choices, whether they be active or passive, affect the course of our lives and those around us. This beautiful novel addresses depression and despair, but leads to an inspirational conclusion. Author Matt Haig is a white journalist and novelist from England. He has written both fiction and nonfiction for children and adults, mostly in the genre of speculative fiction. Some of his other books include Reasons to Stay Alive, Notes on a Nervous Planet, and The Humans. The novel The Midnight Library was first published in the United States by Viking in 2020. As part of our podcast we're going to regularly highlight our favorite literary sanctuaries. One place that's often overlooked for a short respite in the middle of a busy city is the local library. Today we'll start with the Boston Public Library's central branch located in Copley Square. This library is not to be missed if you ever find yourself in Boston. The Boston Public Library's main branch is more than just a place to check out books and conduct research. It's a place of beautiful architecture, culture, and even entertainment. The library holds several hidden gems that don't readily reveal themselves. Walking the floors and exploring its alcoves are the best way to uncover the many wonders stored in this library. The first
1: place we'd recommend finding is the Bates Hall reading room. Built in 1895, the reading room spans the entire length of the library's McKim building and has a 50-foot high barrel vaulted ceiling, giving the room a cathedral-like feeling. The room is filled with rows of dark oak tables covered with banker's lamps, gorgeous terrazzo marble floors, and a wall of windows bringing natural light into the room. Though it's fairly common to find nearly all 150 seats in this room occupied, there's a church-like respect for silence, giving the space a calm and reflective feel. The second place to find is the McKim Courtyard, which is an exterior courtyard that's only accessible by walking through the library. This courtyard was modeled after a palazzo in Rome and is lined on all sides with white marble archways. In the center of the courtyard is a large fountain surrounded by manicured boxwoods and cafe-style tables and chairs. Throughout the summer, the library hosts courtyard concerts
0: and finally unusual to many libraries are three cafes and restaurants within the boston public library the first restaurant is called the map room tea lounge that serves bar bites wine and tea infused cocktails that have fun literary names like tequila mockingbird dorian gray and catcher in the rye this lounge like the courtyard can only be accessed by walking through the library The second restaurant is called the Courtyard Tea Room, where they serve fixed-priced afternoon tea complete with tiered trays of finger sandwiches, scones, and cakes. The third cafe is called the Newsroom, located just inside the main entrance of the library and adjacent to the Boston Marathon finish line. Here, they offer salads and sandwiches. This cafe is aptly named the Newsroom, as WGBH has a recording studio in the corner of the lobby where they broadcast live for Boston Public Radio.
1: If you decide to visit the Boston Public Library, please make sure to check their website for COVID restrictions and temporary closures.
0: You can buy any of the books we discussed today by clicking the link in the notes section of the podcast. You'll be routed to our Bookshop page, where most of the books are discounted, and you can purchase hardcover, paperback, audiobook, or CD. As an affiliate of Bookshop LLC, We receive a portion of every sale, which helps us with the cost of producing this podcast. And most importantly, please subscribe to our podcast and give us a star rating, which will attract more listeners to our show. Thank you for listening to You've Got to Read This.